Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello there, listener. It's Ryan. This episode of The Second Tier was recorded just before Wayne Rooney was officially made the new Birmingham City Manager. If you want our full reaction to that then you can listen to the emergency pod that we did on Tuesday where we covered John Eustace's sacking and Rooney's then imminent appointments as well as a couple of other bits and pieces. So if you want to hear our reactions to that, make sure you listen to that and I hope you enjoy the show. And welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Wesley to my Andre Vidigol. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, we were just having a chat before the podcast started, and I usually ban any weather chat here on the podcast because I think it's extremely boring. However, you did make a valid point that autumn has very much announced itself very quickly, hasn't it? And very dramatically. Mm. Yeah, very dramatic. It depends what you deem drama. I know you mentioned the temperature dropping considerably, but it's gone from me being able to dry my sheets outside to leaving them out overnight for them to be now getting absolutely piss wet through because I was banking on good weather, cleaning, uh, drying them, um, which is ultimately, it's a disappointing issue. It's an adult thing. The kids won't understand, but this has ruined my day. Oh, completely understandable. And it's only just <laughs> got underway, which is the saddest thing. Yeah, I kind of think Autumn is... You remember when Nicholas Bentner um, came on for Arsenal and literally scored straight on from coming on? Do you remember that? I don't remember Bentner scoring so, many goals. <laughs> so Nicholas Bentner, I think, holds the record for the quickest goal by a substitute. Because if you watch the video, he literally comes onto the pitch runs on from a corner and doesn't stop running and gets his head on the ball as it's going mm. on. I don't think there'll ever be a goal scored quicker by a substitute just because I don't see how it could possibly be quicker unless the game gets underway as he literally comes onto the pitch and he just shoots and scores. Anyway, the point I'm making is Nicholas Bentner is autumn in this situation where he's just come on and turned the tide rapidly. Yeah. I don't really know how to expand on that analogy. It's it's a, it's a great one. It's fantastic. Thank you. Um, but all I'm all I'm doing now is just I'm hyper focusing on Nicholas Bentner and his hopelessness in football, really, which is a bit disrespectful because he was a good player at one point, but he was also really bad towards the end of his career. And this has got nothing to do with Autumn now. Just having a dig at Nicholas Bentner, yeah. which I don't think I ever <laughs> expected this show to, to to start with. But here we are. Welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, as you're probably aware, it's an international break. So with that being said, we're having a bit of fun on the show today. I've tasked Justin with picking a team of his favourite players and manager, currently in the championship. It's not his team of the season so far, not a team of the players who he thinks are the best in the division, just the players he likes 
the most, whether that be someone who he's been a fan of for many years now or someone he thinks is a rising talent. The twist here is he can only pick one player from each team. So it's not going to be full of Leicester players, for example. Um, we're doing Justin's team today. My team will be released on Sunday. It's just something that I thought Justin could, you know, tie us over for the international break and get, you know, shine some praise on the players we truly appreciate at this level. Yeah, give you a warm, cosy feeling in your tummy. Now, now autumn's drawing in. You need to be warm. Um, why not? Why not sift through this praise and and get all fuzzy inside when you need yeah. to? It's it's a perfect time to be doing this. It's basically the hot chocolate. We are the hot chocolate <laughs> in this situation, and we are comforting you in the cold winter months. Let us be inside you, Justin. What's oh, the first Jesus player? Christ. <laughs> <laughs> The first player I've picked is Rotherham United's Victor Johansson. In goal, we should say we're, we're, we're going we're, we're going through a formation here. We're not just we're not just Garth Crooks in this and just picking oh, right. players all over the place. We've got an actual team set up here. So goalkeeper Victor Johansson of Rotherham. Why have you got him, Justin? Oscar, I'd put him Big Vicar uh, as my number nine. But okay. okay, if we're I'm gonna have to be a bit of a rejig here. But um, yeah, no, I've got I've gone with the big Swede because well, he's got a fantastic beard for starters. But I I genuinely don't think there are more consistent goalkeepers in the EFL than him and I truly do think he's destined for much bigger things than championship football I think he's well he's, he's mid-20s now he's 25 and I think he's got the ability to really really carry on um, his development because since breaking in at the end of the 2021 season um, he's really caught my eye and he's kept Rotherham in the championship, shall we say? I think that's fair to say. Yeah. He's a, a big case last season for um, for the points saved in terms of what saves he's been making. But yeah, since he came in during that 2021 season when Millers were fighting against the tide of postponed games in the championship, um, he's really, really kicked Rotherham. on. And last season, uh, sorry, yeah, Rotherham, he's, he's really, really kicked on. And last season, we rated him as the best goalkeeper in the division. And when we're talking about consistency, I don't think there, there are any goalkeeper in the championship making saves as consistently as him to keep a team in a division. He is just outstanding. Two things I'll take issue with on you there. Um, first, you mentioned that he's got a great beard, which is strange because you always criticise my beard. And I think his beard and mine are pretty much the same. Both got a hint of ginger no. in no. them. Okay, then. Um, and the second thing I'd take issue with is you reckon he's going to keep going and going? Did you say to the top? Is that what you said? Yeah, it depends what your um, version of the top is. I'm well, the not Premier saying... League. The Premier League. Okay, the Premier League. Yeah, I'm not going to say he's, gonna, he's not going to win the World Cup with Sweden. Um, well, he might do, know. but you never, you never know. know. Um, the, point yeah. I, the point I wanted to pick you up on there is, I'm not sure he will play in the Premier League. And I think really? the reason for that is because I, I fully accept, brilliant shot stopper. I'd probably even go as far to say, probably the best shot stopper in the division just purely based on that. I think the thing that's holding him back as a goalkeeper to get to the top level is his ability with his feet because he's not he's not exactly your modern day goalkeeper where you could give the ball to him and he can start an attack, is he? Hmm. Well, this is, it's, a, it's, a fair, it's a fair argument, but I think you, the thing you've got to mention here is he's not played for a team where he's had to have those demands with the ball at his feet. Definitely not at Rotherham. Definitely not at Rotherham. They've been very direct under Paul Warner, now Matt Taylor, and I think that's um, that's part of the way of trying to survive in the in the championship. But I think if he gets a move to a team who varies the game up a little bit and he and he does have that challenge, then 
then maybe he can improve. Maybe he can make that step. So I don't think we'll see it until we see it, if that makes sense. Um, so I think that next move for him, whether he stays at Rotherham or whether he gets a move to a team who are a little bit more progressive or a team that are very progressive, we're not going to see that. But I, I, I'm confident in his ability to adapt because he's gone from strength to strength to strength in the last few years. And I, I'm not going to rule him out, Keep you know, carry on doing that. Mm. Maybe he will at some point play in the Premier League. Um because not every team likes their goalkeeper to play out from the back. It's not a, a requirements that a lot of teams look for. I just remember a good example is Bartosz Bielkowski. I remember mm. talking to an agent about him and they were saying shot stopping, just incredible. But the thing that's holding him back from playing at the top level is his ability with his feet because he wasn't very good at it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Vichy Hansen may be falling to a similar fate. But look, I can see being a top championship keeper for many years. I'm sure of that. Who's your right back, Justin Peach? I've gone with Cyrus Christie of Hall City. Cyrus the virus for those 90s action film um, lovers. Bit of a I reference. I have no idea what Do you're you talking not? about. Have no. you never seen Con Air? No. Okay, right. This is a, this is a, again. It's another debate. Nicholas Cage film. Ryan, watch it. Oh my god, it's great. Great, it's always on ITV on a Saturday night. Move on, please, Justin. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on to Cyrus Christie, he's an underappreciated, undervalued, prolific chance creator for me. Um, and I don't think, well, I fully appreciate him. Oh, it took him for, for him to leave Derby for me to truly love and understand his game and appreciate him. Form wise, he's not been quite at it this season, so there'll be some recency bias um, feedback from people, I imagine. But I'm sure he's going to pick up in years. Uh, well, not in years, sorry. He's been picking up in years gone by and he's been so consistent in the teams that he's been playing in. I, I, I always feel like he's got a point to prove, which is perhaps unfair to him, but he's efficient in his dribbling. His crossing is consistent and his link-up playing timing of his runs is very intelligent as well. He's the perfect right wing-back to have in your team because not only has he got the experience now, but also he's going to create chances and he's going to he's going to get you off your feet in a surprising way at times because you just don't expect a fullback to be as as, um, as efficient as him at dribbling so yeah I've gone with Cyrus Christie I do really really enjoy his performances yeah I remember early on in his career there was a lot of uh, complaints from people about him defensively but I think that's something that he's managed to refine as mm-hmm. he's got older and his consistency as well is another thing which I think has just got better as the years have gone by Look, at the end of the day, he's played for some top sides at this level, yeah. and I think he's been promoted multiple times. So you're only going to do that if you're a very good right back at this level. And that's why it surprised me that when Hall signed him, he was on a free, wasn't he? And he, mm-hmm. he, he wasn't until quite late in the summer, maybe September. even in the autumn, yeah. yeah, when he actually got picked up, which you'd have thought he'd have more interest around him considering mm-hmm. what he's done at the game. So, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you on that just now. I think Cyrus Christie is a very solid right-back at this level nowadays. Who is your first centre-back? I've gone with Matty Pearson of Huddersfield Town. Now, the reason why I've gone with him is because I, I thoroughly enjoy centre-halves who will just head anything, literally anything. And I'm talking literally anything. I think Matty Pearson gives us a vibe of wanting to head a bus stop if a bus is late, for example. Mm-hmm. He shouldered a heavy burden when he came back from injury last season. He scored several really important goals as well. He got five in 17, which is quite prolific. Um, you know, If you've got a striker, you sign for big money, he gets five in 17, he's just settling. You think it's a decent return um, you know, coming in January, for example. Um, but Matty Pearson scored five in 17. And again, it's really good for a centre-half and mostly, if not all, from set pieces. And it's hard to get players with that innate desire to get on the end of uh, crosses into the box. I think it's so, so difficult. But he was pivotal. He was pivotal at Huddersfield in his first season, getting him into the playoffs. His injury towards the end of that campaign was really felt. 
Um, and of course, he was important last season. So he's played a significant role in two significant moments for Huddersfield in the last two years. And although, again, form-wise, he's not been at his best this season, I'm sure he will get to that. Um, he'll get to that at some point. Yeah, a very Brexit selection by you, having Matty Pearson mm. at centre-half. I've got a theory, Justin, that actually, if you were a football manager, you would probably going down kind of the Gary Rowett style of play route because mm. I tend to realise that your favourite players are very much, you know, specialising in the direct route yeah. of football. And Matty Pearson, I think, is a perfect example of that. Well, I grew up watching Steve Howard. Um, Steve Howard, uh, Rob Hulse. These are players who you just get it to the head. Uh, or Dolby, of course. Just get it to the head. And I think that's really had an impact on me. Not in, the, not in the best way. Don't get me wrong. If Pep Guardiola took over at Derby, I will enjoy the football. Fuming. But you, get it forward. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But you are right. If I was a manager, I would 100% play the Brexit way because I think it ruffles feathers. It pisses people off. And um, it gets results, to be honest with you. As, as Garrett Rowett, up until this season, was finding out. But anyway, Mighty Pearson, heads and kicks everything. And you, and you need that in your defence. You need that. And I love that. There was a, s- a small period where you were a Gareth Ainsworth apologist and yeah. now it all makes sense because actually Gareth Ainsworth ball is your ideal brand of football. You are the it's kind of person who, the collar. Yeah. yeah, get it forward and just watch the chaos happen. Find the corridor of uncertainty and uh, things will happen. That's Justin Peach's rule of thumb. And um, who is your other centre-back, Justin? Got a bit more poise here. Got Dan Ballard of Sunderland. I feel like he's got that perfect mix of bit Brexit, bit composed at the back. Um, I can't believe I'm using Brexit as a term to describe defenders, but I'm sure people get what we mean. Um, But for me, he can defend, he can pass. And he's now picked up a scoring touch this season, which again, describing Matty Pearson, I do like that in a defender. I stand by the notion as well that if Dan Ballard was fit for the entirety of last season, Sunderland would have comfortably finished in the top six. Of course, they took it to the last day. Um, and I just think having a defender of his quality would have made a huge difference in those games where they were quite edgy. But he's such a steady, reliable operator and he's still only 24. And he's been so consistent since his low move to Millwall in the 21-22 season. And he barely puts a foot wrong. I think the only thing you can hold it against him really is his injury record. It's not the best. Um, but again, if he's if he's just 24, you expect him to get over that. And I'm sure if he continues to grow, stays fit, he will be, one way or another, he'll be a Premier League player by the end of this season. I think he's a top player, Dan Ballard. I saw someone describe him the other day. I think it was a newspaper report, call him a no-nonsense defender, which I just mm. think is... No, just bollocks. Lazy. It's not. Yeah, it's not really the case at all. Yeah, he's he's quite a big lad, but he's great with the ball at his feet, as you have to be in this Sunderland team. I just think he's a quality all-round defender. Still only twenty-four, so he's got room to grow as well. I think it was a bargain when Sunderland signed him mm-hmm. last summer, and, and I'm surprised there wasn't more interest in him. When I say last summer, I mean summer last year. I'm still in twenty twenty-three mode. Um, I mean, it still is 2023. You get my point. Um, but yeah, he's he's a top defender. I can see him getting... Well, I think he's already had quite a bit of interest from Premier League clubs. I think Burnley have been yeah. linked with him quite recently. Wouldn't surprise me if he is playing in the Premier League next season, whether that's with Sunderland or not. Only time will tell. But yeah, a really, really good player is Dan Ballard. Your left-back, Justin, something I can definitely get on board with. Best left back in the division at the moment, Leif Davisovic, which town, chance creator, yeah, just unreal left foot, absolutely unreal. He's 
obviously I think having to had to take the drop down to League One to really get rolling as a, as a player but he already has five assists this season and he's a prolific creator and that's not going to stop he's averaging three and a half key passes per game which makes him one of the second which makes him the second most prolific chance creator in a division behind Gabriel Sara Gabriel Sara is a creative midfielder Leif Davis is a left back you know just to emphasise how efficient he is with his crossing and ability to get the balls in the right areas of course, he's very proficient at his set pieces. Defensively, his numbers are steady, comfortably competent, competent I would say, but he's a huge asset into the, in this Kieran McKenna team. But yeah, going back to those set pieces, I think it's perhaps undervalued in football having, having a player who can consistently do well um, and put the ball in a good area. Not just, not just, no, I'm not talking about someone who can just whip a ball in. I'm talking about someone who can whip a ball in and it actually be dangerous with their crosses. Sorba Thomas two years ago at Huddersfield springs to mind, score a lot of goals, create a lot of chances that way. As an opposing goalkeeper and defender, you shit it every time when that ball's coming in because it's just on the money and Leif Davis is that man. This is why Justin's such a Brexit coach, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Set piece is the most important part of football. I will echo this one, Justin. Leif Davis is an unbelievable left back. Since the start of last season, he's managed 19 assists. From left back, that is just unbelievable. Admittedly, a lot of them are from set pieces, but let's not take it away from him because that left foot is a weapon. He could place it on a mosquito's nipple. He is that <laughs> accurate with a dead ball. 35 chances created this season, the second most in the league, only 23 as well. The thing is, for me, he was obviously at Leeds before and had a brief loan spell at Bournemouth. Didn't really get a look in either of those two places and I was left here wondering whether he's actually that good and now he's possibly the best left back in the league so mm. that answers that question doesn't it the only annoying thing about him for me is when I have to spell his name I always get his first name wrong it's the it's the E and the I I, I get them the wrong way around every single bloody time oh, I, I thought you might have been spelling it literally leaf which would have been a bit no, no, no. <laughs> no, it's just in my head, I doubt myself every time. I'm like, is it the I or the E? Is it E-I? It's, oh, I think I think it's I after E except after C. I think this, that's yeah. the rule. It's okay. We can we can work on it um, post, post-production. post we can, we can get you through this. You're not the one who's having to tweet about him every other day <laughs> because he's so bloody good. And I'm just like paranoid about getting it wrong. So I have to Google his name every fucking time. Um, <laughs> who's your first sentiment, Justin? <laughs> Oh, centre mid. Oh, I've got my band chief of Coventry City. Oh, yes. he brings out the ooh in you, doesn't he? He's such a player, such a player. He he can make you feel like, as I, I imagine, as an opposition midfielder, like there are two or three of him. He will swarm on you like a Parisian bedbug. He will get in on you and just bite you. Maybe not Topical. bite physically. I like it. Yeah, I love that. Um, he mops up, sweeps up and he puts away. He's the ultimate ball-winning midfielder with that extra little bit of quality you need to drive your team up the pitch. Annoyingly, this season he's been out since the start of September. And guess whose results have dipped as, uh, potentially as a result of that? I'm not going to speculate, but Coventry's form hasn't been great since he's not been in the team. Um, and it's not a surprise. He averages four tackles per game this season, just to, uh, just over to, or just over under two interceptions as well. He plays with intelligence and poise with a bit of aggression. Very difficult to get those type of midfielders. And I think every team in the country needs a midfielder like Ben Sheaf because they do everything and they do it so, so well. But the problem is, Justin, they're so very hard to find, aren't exactly. they? Because finding a player who wins the ball back as well as him, but is then also be able to basically be a playmaker at the mm-hmm. same time. 
those players do not grow on trees. So when you've got one like him, he really is a gem, isn't he? Justin, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll go through the second half of your Dream 11. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. This is Justin Peach's Dream 11, made up of his favourite players in the Championship. The only issue is he can't pick more than one player from the same team. So far, he's done very well in that regard. But let's find out who his other centre midfielder is, Justin. Who the hell is it? I've got him, Matt Grimes of Swansea City. When we talk about underrated players, Matt Grimes is up there. You, we always talk about Oli Norwood and, uh, as an underrated midfielder to the extent where he's probably not underrated but the next person in that position who just doesn't get much of a mention at all and unfairly so is Matt Grimes I think he's in terms of consistency he's probably been a top 10 performer in the championship just in terms of his ability to just put out 7, 8 out of 10 performances every single week and in my head he's still 23 forever 23 but he's 28 he's in his peak years and it's showing and this man has played for Graham Potter Steve Cooper Russell Martin and now Michael Duff and guess what? He's excelled in every single team. Just different styles of play, contrasting styles of play. And he's been the centre of each of those teams. You've got to be a good player to do that. And he's, he's, he is. And, and to say, well, he's, he's not a prolific scorer. He's not a prolific assist, uh, assister. But he sets the tempo of the team perfectly. And he is the anchor the team needs. The Perlo from Devon, if you like. And I, I go back to the assist thing. He does create chances. He does get the ball into dangerous areas for opposition to... Uh, to well, to worry, to be hurt. Um, he's such a good player. And again, I, I, I've not valued him enough in the championship and a lot of years have gone by wasted not valuing him, in my opinion. Yeah, very much a football purists player, isn't he? Matt Grimes. He's one that if you... He definitely goes underappreciated, but if you actually just keep your eye on him through a game, you can really see how much he influences this Swansea team. This won't be very popular with Swansea fans, but... I worry that his potential as a player may not be fully met if he doesn't leave. He gets linked with a move away pretty much every summer, doesn't he? Yeah. But just nothing ever seems to be solid. Nothing ever seems to materialise. When actually, he probably could be playing 
in the Premier League, really, couldn't he? Because he is just that good. But here yeah. he is, still playing for Swansea after all these years, and he may not leave at this point. Maybe he will just yeah. stay at Swansea for the rest of his career. It's an interesting trade-off. He can either be an okay player in the Premier League, for example, or he can be an an, an excellent player at Swansea City. Um, and I think what he's doing at Swansea, I think, is um, you know he's remarkable, and I think you can appreciate him more playing those games for Swansea weirdly um, appreciating more uh, for Swansea in the Championship than you probably could playing in the Premier League because you'd probably get lost amongst the noise but actually I, I think he's, he's he's getting more of it now um, playing in the uh, Championship with Swansea Let's go to your attacking midfielder Justin I think this one was always going to be included in your team Monty he was Kenny Dewsbury Hall of Leicester City, the man who sounds like a National Trust site but plays like a heavy metal concert venue. I don't know what that means, but it sounded really fucking cool when I wrote it down. Do you know what else is fucking cool? Kenny Dewsbury Hall. It looks like a character from Lost Boys. Have you seen it? It's another film reference. Have you seen Lost Boys? Is that the one where the bloke is there with the glasses, glass bottles on his hands and he's going, Warriors. Come no, that's Warriors. Oh, okay, fair enough. Then. No. <laughs> okay. In answer to your question, no, I haven't. Uh, this is criminal. Absolutely criminal. There will be a you know, thorough, thorough review um, after this because there's two films you should have seen. Anyway, he looks like a character from, from The Lost Boys. Um, anyway, I, I've loved him since he, he came into the championship um, for Luton on loan. Uh, speaking to him, interviewing, um, speaking to him on a personal level, He's incredibly home run. He's, he, was, you know, he came across as very desperate to grow. And of course, I'm talking about an interview from two years ago. Um, but I'm certain the standards that he was setting himself under Nathan Jones in that loan spell at Kenilworth Road would stay the same for him. And I think he's showing that this season. He's so dangerous in the box. He's unselfish and he's adding goals to this game this year. He's got eight goal, eight goal contributions already this season with 10 games in for a midfielder in a um, patient possession-based team just shows he's getting in the right areas. He's just too good for this level. And I think um, I think if he can carry on this form into the Premier League next season, he's going to be in the conversation for a, uh, an England call-up. I 100% agree with that, Justin. I think I, I was going on a big rant on social media the other day about how, I mean, it wasn't that big a rant, but my point was that England don't seem to give much of a look into championship players when other countries do. I mean, Argentina have just called up Carlos Alcaraz of Southampton, whereas England seem to ignore their second division when really Kieran Dewsbury Hall, the form that he's been showing means that he shouldn't be too far away from the England squad. I know it's quite a competitive area in midfield, but my point still remains. I think he should be in the in the championship anyway. He should be playing in the Premier League. He should be in the top half of the Premier League for my money, just because I think he's that damn good. I think he wasn't too far behind James Madison in terms of chances created last season. Yet one's playing at Spurs, the other one is in the championship. But, you know, that's Leicester's gain, managing to keep hold of someone like him. And he's an unbelievable player. I think it was no surprise to me that Liverpool being linked with him in the summer. I'm not sure how solid those reports were, but it just didn't surprise me at all because he is that good. Still really, really young as well. I think he's got such a big future ahead of him and I'm not sure what kind of impact dropping down to the Championship for a season will have on his career. I mean, Jack Grealish didn't seem to be harmed too much by it, but I think it wouldn't be a surprise to me if Kieran Dewsbury Hall was playing at the very top level at some point, just because I think he's that damn good. 
No, I agree. I, I think it dropping down to the championship can act as a springboard. You mentioned Jack Grealish, and I think that's a perfect example because he was stalling at Aston Villa in the Premier League, and I think it took a drop down to drop down to the second tier to really excel. And I think Kieran Dewsbury Hall um, is is experiencing that now in that he's he's got a license to thrive at Leicester, and he's showing it, and he's and he's taking advantage of it. And teams are teams are on the other end of it, and um, that's good for us because we get to ooze over him because he's such a good player. We're not going to see him after this season because he's just going to go very very high up in in, uh, in football. Yeah, yeah, we, we can guarantee that, can't we? Let's go to your right winger, Justin. I was looking through your team and thought, yeah, this is this is all fine and good, and then I saw this player and just shook my head. You're a disgrace. You're a disgrace. You're a disgrace. Um, right wing. I've gone with Tom Ince of of Watford. If anyone if anyone wants to come after me. Come after me. I will protect my Thomas until the day I die, or at least until he retires. Um, Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> have you just been transformed into Paul Ince, <laughs> protecting my Thomas? I feel like Paul Ince in this scenario. Just call me governor. Um, <laughs> look, his record at this level is incredible, and the way he plays, I love watching him. I, I just, I love watching him. I get so excited when I see a a highlight of him dipping his shoulder, and I think I still think defenders somehow uh, falling for that exaggerated dip of the shoulder um, and, and the reason why I think people are so against him is because they refuse to admit how good he is I think people are so stubborn on this opinion of Tom Ince and I understand Stoke fans have been through it you know they had, he had um, his first season goal-wise he was a very good return but he was performing in an underperforming team no player in that team was was, was any good at all or consistent enough um, so that, that that answers that but I just think he's had a positive impact in some way at every club he's had speaking to Huddersfield fans they rated him very highly because of his work rate Derby fans he carried the team for two years Blackpool he carried the team for a couple of years as well he's 11th in the all-time top scorer list with 92 goals in 374 appearances he scored more than Cameron Jerome Charlie Austin Kevin Phillips Chris Wood put some respect on the man's name how good do you think he is right now? I think he's as good as Watford are at the moment. How good do you think he was at his peak? I think he, I think he was the one of the well, probably top five in the championship at the very least. That's me being quite um, conservative with my that's opinion. Being, on that's that. very being very pragmatic. It seems like you're kind of mm. rolling back on yourself. No, I'm not. Okay, I will. Um, in his peak at Derby, having viewed it, he was a one-man wrecking ball. That I think it's a 17-18 season, uh, or you know, 16-17 season actually, when he got the move to Huddersfield. Derby would have been in the bottom six had it not been for his contribution. Goal-wise, he carried the team, no question. And he, I think for me at that point, he was probably one of the best in the league, if not Be- the best attacker in the league. You. Better question for you, Justin. How many appearances do you think he should have made in the Premier League at his peak? I think he should have made... I'm not going to put a number on it, but he should have been prem- playing Premier League football. I think him going to Crystal Palace under Tony Pulis really shafted him because that is not a team you go to on loan to to excel. And then Steve Bruce at Hull City, again, not a team you go to to excel as a creative winger who needs to learn um, a little bit more about his game. Go on, put a number on it. How many appearances? Because I, 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 people will be saying the reason Tom Ince has scored so many goals at championship level is because he's played so many games at championship level. Mm-hmm. So how many games do you think he should have played in the Premier League? I would say two full seasons as a regular. So up to up to 70. And then a bit of Do you think that would have been possible without a team getting relegated? 
What, what do you mean possible about a team getting relegated? Without that team that he's starting in regularly getting relegated because they're playing Tom Ince for two full seasons. No, they have been in the Champions League. My God. Um, that, that was a joke. That was a joke, ladies and gentlemen. I, I can tell when Justin Peters joking most of the time. But you think, so you're telling me Tom Ince should have had two full seasons in the Premier League at least, should he? At the very least, yeah. If I was, um, if, if I was a football manager playing my uh, rigid Brexit, lump it forward football, I need a bit of zest, a bit of quality. And I'm not going to be a manager of a team with a huge budget. And I would have taken a chance on Tom Ince. And I think Tom Ince would have repaid that because, as I say, he's my Thomas. I've got nothing more to add, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go to your striker, Justin. Who have you got there? I've gone with Tommy Conway at Bristol City. Um, I, I'm so hopeful of what he can do. I, I rate him incredibly highly, and maybe too highly, um, because I expect an incredible career out of this guy. And I, that might be unfair, but the reason why I rate him so highly and so much is despite not making over 100 career appearances yet, I just think goal scoring becomes it is so, it comes nat- so natural to him. He's just even just it's so instinctive. Throwing the recency bias, the goals that he scored against Rotherham uh, just a couple of weeks ago. One of them was a screamer, fantastic goal coming off the bench. The other was a deft, instinctive flick uh, into the far corner in the last minute. And if he stays fit between now and the end of the season, I think he can be the difference between Bristol City being in a conversation for a top six push um, uh, uh, you know, towards the, towards the end of the campaign. He's he's a goal scorer that makes a difference. He's he's born to score goals, and as I say, he's just twenty one, and he's already got that maturity about him. Um, I, I think he's he's got the quality to do a hell of a lot uh, at this level. Yeah, I would completely agree with that, Justin. I really rate Tommy Conway very highly. I think considering the goal tally he managed to get last season, then he could get quite a big goal tally this season. Injuries have held him back so far this season, but now that he's seemingly fit again, I can see him getting quite a lot of goals because he's just a brilliant finisher, manages to create his own goals. He, He reminds me, he manages to create his own chances, what I mean because of his dribbling. He reminds me a bit of a, young Callum Wilson the way that he's able to take mm. on players he's got a bit of pace about him but he's ultimately got that finishing touch which uh, you know is quite hard to find in players yeah. particularly someone as young as him because he's got that composure as well I think he's a really top striker and um, could be very high could be playing at a very high level at some point considering what he's done so far at such a young age let's go to your left winger Justin this is another young player who we both rate very highly yeah, I've got me Morgan Whitaker of, of Plymouth Argyle. And I think he's been quite unlucky in his career so far. Um, I go back to him coming through at Derby. The, uh, Philip Cock, who liked what he saw from him, gave him some game time. Um, and, and I thought I, I saw some glimpses of quality, but physically looked underdeveloped. I think he's been mismanaged by both Wayne Rooney and Russell Martin before really finding a home at Plymouth. Um, and you've only got to look at his numbers over the past 18 months of, uh, and look at how, well, judge of how good he's been. He's got, he had 16 goal contributions in 25 League One games last season. Bit of a coming of age campaign for him. And he's carried that confidence into this season despite some weird goings on but, um, at Swansea um, post post January um, didn't get a move to Rangers etc just just a strange scenario but he's still learning and he's got the confidence and elegance um, I think to again really really harm harm opposition teams and the way he runs at players the way he links up play Bally, you know, he's got a great on-field relationship with Bally Mumba he's got so much composure as well um, I think they're all 
significant attributes for a for a player who's just 22 years old or 21 22 years old and he's already got four goals and three assists this season I think that that record so far is indicative of those qualities that he's got I just don't think there are too many young players who have got a higher ceiling than him at the moment it's a lot of praise Justin a lot of praise <laughs> but I, you know what I think it's worth it because what I've seen of him so far has just been extremely promising I mean last season what he did in league one was extremely promising and I said it before if he was a permanent Plymouth player last season, then he'd be getting interest from so many different championship sides. But because he was on loan from Swansea and didn't play pretty much for the second half of last season, that meant that Plymouth were able to get him for an absolute snip at one million quid, which is still daylight robbery even mm -hmm. now. So Plymouth have had Swansea's pants down in that regard. We've said that so many times over the past few weeks, but it still bears repeating, mm -hmm. doesn't it? Because he's just such a good player. And at, at Plymouth now, he's got somewhere where he's truly appreciated. And that goes a really long way with mm -hmm. players. And if, if this is anything to go by, then maybe you should stick around at Plymouth for a lot longer than just this season or the next season and just keep playing his best football because he's so important to Plymouth because they're quite leaky at the back at the moment. His goals and other players chipping in with goals as well is basically what's going to keep him up this season. And finally, Justin, your manager, who is managing this mismatch of your favourite players in the Championship? I've gone with Daniel Farker, the Leeds Lighting manager. I think he's on his way to becoming a Championship GOAT in terms of managerial uh, achievements at this level. Uh, but I think potentially got the ability to see it this season. You've mentioned his inability in the past to convince you in other leagues, which is fair. His Premier League and Bundesliga records aren't great, but neither was Neil Warnock's. Neil Warnock didn't have a great Premier League record, doesn't have any Bundesliga records. That point still stands, by the way. He made his name, Farker, that is... Uh, well, actually, no, Neil Warnock, he made his name as a manager who just knew the formula... Uh, of getting out of the, the championship and dare I say Farker is similar but his teams have a little bit more style about them his teams press they intelligently cut sides open and he's shown that he's got a very deft hand at developing youth and you only need to look at the likes of Jamal Lewis Ben Godfrey James Madison Josh Murphy they made Norwich a lot of money in sales under his tutelage and we're seeing Archie Gray develop at the moment he's such a good manager and I think you gave him too much disrespect in the summer coming into Leeds um, which unfortunately I think you are, yeah, you are being made to made to made to pay for that. Well, when Daniel Farker came in, my concerns were first of all the absolute mess which was happening at Leeds with players mm. going out the exit door um, just every hour, basically, um, and I thought that would make it a bit of a tricky situation for him to deal with but hats off to him he has done remarkably well in dealing with that situation and kind of just calming things down um, my other concern was that when he was at Norwich it took a full season for them to actually get going and I was worried that it would take a bit of time for that to happen at mm -hmm. Leeds but look Leeds have started really really well you were saying he's on his way to being a championship goat. I think he already is a championship goat oh. because two promotions out of three seasons already is just a remarkable record. And who's to say that three promotions out of four is not going to happen? It's definitely on the table, isn't it? My concern with him is long term, where if he does get Leeds promoted, 
how will they do in the Premier League under Daniel Farker? Because, you know, he's had two cracks at the Premier League now and it's gone terribly both times. So maybe that will still be the case. But look, his remit this season was purely to get Leeds out of the Championship. And at the moment, I think they are not on course to doing that, but they're certainly on the right track. You know, you can't have, not everyone can have a start as good as Leicester and Ipswich have, which has just been absolutely ridiculous. But ultimately, I think uh, Daniel Farker's doing much better than I expected. Will they do very well in the Premier League? I don't really know. It's not our problem, Ryan. We're not the top tier podcast. We're the second tier podcast. We don't have to worry about that. Can't end on that note, Ryan. He will be a success. Fark you. Let's go. Nonetheless, <laughs> let's move on to this. Scott High or Ryan Low? Yes, it's time for Scott High or Ryan Low. This is the game where we have to rank four things from highest to lowest. It's as simple as that. There's three questions. This week, Justin is providing the questions to me. So what have you got for me, Justin Peach, you bastard? Bit of everything in this one. First question is, can you place in order the teams that Tom Ince has scored the most goals against? Topical. Go yes. on then. Wolves, Sheffield Wednesday, Bristol City, Derby. Um, well, I have absolutely no clue. Um, no. Because I don't pay attention to who he scores against. I, I do. I've, I've got it on the wall. I've scratched into the wall each goal he scored. Um, well, I, I know. This, this is... I'm never getting this in a million years. Wolves... <laughs> Wednesday, Bristol City, and who was the other one? Derby. Um, I'll go Derby top, then Wolves, then Bristol City, then Wednesday. You got one right. I'm not bloody surprised because I don't have a clue. <laughs> You've got to look at who's been in the championship longest. Sheffield Wednesday were bottom. He scored one against them. Okay. Wolves were next. He scored four against them. He scored five against Derby. They're next. And he scored eight against Bristol City. Wow. The Purge. Yeah. Bristol City are his uh, his bogey side or opposite of a bogey side. They are his, they are the he is side. their bogey player. Yeah, that's yeah. a hard one to explain. Something like that. Anyway, what's the next <laughs> one? Just which England defender has scored the most goals for England? For England, okay. You got Phil Neville, John Terry, Luke Shaw, and Kyle Walker. Okay. Um, well. I can tell you, first of all, that I think Cal Walker scored his first England goal in the last international break, I think. Phil Neville surely hasn't scored for England. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not too privy to Phil Neville's England career because I think it was mostly before I was, well, before, before I was 15. So I can't remember much of uh, England around that time. So I'm, I'm not sure Fizzer has got many uh, goals to his name. Um, John Terry scored a few. Luke Shaw, of course, scored England's last goal in a major final, didn't he? Did he? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I can't remember too many other goals, but I think he's probably got more than Walker. So mm. I'd go, surely Terry's top. Shaw, Walker, Neville. You've actually surprised me because you've, you've nailed that. Yeah, yeah. That just seemed to make logical sense. I I didn't realise Kyle Walker scored his first goal for England in their last mm. international break. I thought he was yeah, at least two or three. Um, Phil Neville, quite rightly, hasn't scored a 
goal for England. I didn't realise he played for England. John Terry's, of course, the last record holder before Harry Maguire took over. And Luke Shaw's got three, which again, just passed me by. How many's Terry got? Six. Six? I thought he mm. might have even more than that, because I just remember him scoring quite a few goals for, mm. for England at one point. But uh, yeah, that makes sense. Good that I've got one on the nose. And finally, Justin, what's the last Scott Hyde Ryan Lowe? Believe it or not, I put all the effort into the podcast this episode, put it, in, put it into this question. So Good. you need to tell me or rank the order of the longest running soap actors. You've got Gail Platt, <laughs> okay. Alf Stewart of Home and Away, Phil Mitchell and Ian Beale. Okay. Um, right. So I've never watched Home and Away, so I don't have a clue there. Uh, Mitchell, who is the Home and Away guy? Uh, Alf Stewart. He's, he's quite he's quite an old dude. He's you know, people quote him quite often. Do they? Yeah, I don't know the quotes though. I'm, I'm I think I'm just making it up in my head I just to try and get in well. your head. Yeah. Um, Bill Mitchell, Stuart Platt. So I don't think Phil Mitchell's been around that long in comparison to the others. Ian Beale's been in there since the start of EastEnders, I think. Gail Platt's been on Corrie for a while though. So, with that being said, I'll have a stab in the dark at Phil Mitchell last, Alf Stewart second last, then Platt or Beale. I'll go Gail Platt, Luca Modric, um, and, <laughs> and Mick Beale's brother, Top. That is so close. Am I? Ah. That is so close. It's just Beale and Platt. Is it? It's just Beale and Platt. You got the one going around. Gail Platt's been on Coro for forty nine years. Yeah, I know she. I knew she's been there for a long time. Mm. But Beale's been on EastEnders since the start, I think. But EastEnders yeah. hasn't been going as long as you think it has. Beale's been on EastEnders for thirty six years. <sighs> Alf Stewart was uh, on Home and Away for thirty five years. Still and Phil Mitchell. Phil Mitchell's only been on uh, EastEnders for thirty one years. Is Home and Away Australian? Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> doesn't mean anything to me to be quite honest but you've been to australia a few times you know have you that doesn't mean anything (laughs) could have dabbled um on that note ladies and gentlemen let's end the podcast there shall we this has been the second tier podcast and this has been justin peach's dream 11 made up of his favorite players from the championship but he's only allowed to pick one player from each side my dream 11 will be released on sunday so you got that to look forward to and keep you tied over for the international break so we look forward to speaking to you again on sunday as always thank you for listening if you could leave us a five star review on whichever podcast platform you listen to us on that will be a big deal for us because it goes a long way to helping us grow as a podcast and will mean an awful lot for us so thank you if you will take the time to do that only takes a minute and but this has been the second tier podcast i have been ryan dilks i have been justin peach and a big thank you for listening Second Tier is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.